you got to figure that Yeah is a strong candidate to be the first song out of the gate for Usher in Sunday's Super Bowl halftime show. What if he goes in chronological order of his hits? My Way would be the strong one, number I, one. I, I, was, I loved some My Way. Oh. Big fan of Big My fan Way. Big fan of My Way. Big fan of that song. Austin Lyons sitting in for Mark Daniels. On this Friday edition of The Beat of Sports, we spent some time this morning talking about best sports movies for young kids. I have a nine-year-old son. Also, memorable characters from movies. Keep those coming on the text line at 50857. I'm partial to Julie the Cat Gaffney, Becky the Icebox O'Shea. There are others out there. We'll continue to talk about that as the morning goes along. We're joined by Mike O'Donnell for the Step Back 3 segment, M.O.D., Favorite sports movie character for, you know, kids' sports movies? Ah, a great question. Uh, I'm going to go with Pop. Um, number one is Pistol Pete Maravich from the movie The Pistol, which is arguably uh, one of the greatest basketball movies of all time. My kids absolutely love it. And but I is that a kids' movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a G-rated. It's a family movie. Family movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess if you're asking me, do I characterize it as exactly a kid's movie? Uh, no, but my five-year-old, it's, it's safe enough for my five-year-old son, right? Um, I don't remember what Henry's last name is. Rowan Gardner. Um, Henry Rowan Gardner from Rookie of the Year. My kids love Henry Rowan Gardner from Rookie of the Year. They are a big, big fan. And they actually also just recently watched Air Bud which they like, but Henry Rowan Gardner from Rookie of the Year is top of the list for us right now. And the best part of that, the, one of the one of my favorite parts of that movie is is Sidney Poitier, I think, plays the manager, yeah, right? He never gets his Rosen, name right. Rosenbagger! Rosenbagger! Uh, yeah. Never yeah. gets it right. Yeah, Henry Rowan Gardner. All right, we'll keep those coming on the text line of 50857. Since Mike O'Donnell's here, we will talk some college basketball. And, uh, Mike, let, let's start with UCF. Uh, you and I had the chance to sit next to each other for a number of UCF's non-conference games. Uh, and UCF played well at times, but they had three losses in the non-conference. And when the Big 12 schedule started, I, I had no reason to believe that UCF would be close to 500 in the conference midway yeah. through the Big 12 schedule. What are you seeing that's different from UCF in conference play than in non-conference? And what is reasonable to expect from this team as you look toward the second half of the Big 12 schedule? So they're in the middle of the pack of the Big 12 right now. Um, I, I think two weeks ago, I would caution to say, you know, UCF's playing with house money right now. You, you beat Kansas on, uh, at home, uh, just an incredible win. You beat Texas on the road. You know, they, they, had, they, got, they got kicked by Kansas State. And, and that's, been, that's been talked about, and that, that happens to almost every single team in the Big 12. Um, then you start looking at some of these wins, you know, the, the Oklahoma win, and you're like, the, the, the realistic scenario of UCF finishing middle of the pack of the Big 12 is not out of the realm of possibility at all. I, I, think, it's, I, think, I think it's right in line with what could happen. I'm not sure if it will yet. Just because the, the, the daunting road of Big 12 is just, I don't, I, I'm, I'm saying that, but I'm also saying I don't think Kansas is going to win the Big 12 this year either, which hasn't happened for 20 years, regular season final. So I just think it's that difficult. Um, the Big 12 is 
the most difficult remaining schedule out of any conference schedule in the country, but by far. So is there a realistic uh, scenario in which UCF finishes middle of the pack of the Big 12? Yes. If they finish middle of the pack of the Big 12, they're going to be on the bubble. They'll probably be right on the bubble. Uh, one thing that's going to hurt them is, is they do have some bad losses in quadrant three and quadrant four. But Austin, I, I mean, when you beat Kansas, when you beat Texas on the road, and you beat Oklahoma, you're kind of sitting there like, there's a chance they'd go 500 in the Big 12, which would be, honestly, put Johnny Dawkins as coach of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, when UCF lost to Stetson in late November, there was no thought of them being on the NCAA tournament bubble, no thought of them being competitive against teams in the Big 12. But Johnny has certainly done a phenomenal job getting his guys ready to play, and a, a potentially de- season-defining road trip for UCF. They are on the road. They'll play Texas Tech tomorrow in Lubbock and then travel to Utah to play BYU on Tuesday. Then the majority of their remaining games are at home, and obviously there's no easy game in the Big 12. But if UCF can just get one of the games on this trip, if they can get either Texas Tech or BYU, it would set them up to have a chance to be really successful down the stretch. They get Cincinnati at home. They play West Virginia again. They play Oklahoma State. Uh, so, so if UCF can just get one of these two games, uh, they've got a chance to, to get themselves into a there's, really good there's position. Gonna there's going to be, I agree with you, there's going to be 10 teams from the Big 12 that get in the NCAA tournament. 10. Uh, I firmly believe that, given everything, strength of record, uh, strength of schedule, where bubble teams are right now, the lackluster effort from the ACC this season, I firmly believe Big 12 is going to get 10 teams in. If that's the case, uh, UCF is going to be in play for that 10th team. In the Big 12. There's there's a massive log jam in the middle of the Big 12 standings. You got a a group of eight teams that are between five and four and four and five, and and UCF is one of those teams at four and five. No question. No question. Before we go to to a broader scale, let's keep it in state and talk about Florida, which, if if you want to watch close games, seemingly all you have to do is find when the Gators are playing on the schedule because just about every game they play goes right down to the wire. They won in overtime against Georgia and at Kentucky. They came up one point shy at, at Texas A&M. Florida's 15-7. and seven. Right now they are, are projected to be in the field. Certainly not a team that's being talked about as a, as a dark horse to make any kind of NCAA tournament run, but the SEC has turned out to be a really good league. And Florida, I think at, le- at least from what I expected and saw from them in the non-conference, is overperforming my expectations in the SEC. What have you seen from Florida? I think most people would agree. Um, that when you look at the SEC, it's uh, not necessarily in this order, but it's Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Like it, I, I'm picking those four teams to finish in the top four. I understand the fact that South Carolina is playing out of their mind right now, out of their mind. I mean, there, there's a chance after this weekend that South Carolina could be inside the top ten uh, yeah. in the country. Incredible. That, that, that's how good South Carolina has been. And the Lamont Paris is going to be in the conversation for national approach of the year. That's probably the fifth-best team in the SEC. I'm still not 100% sold on South Carolina. But I, I like the idea of the SEC getting getting seven seven or eight teams in the NCAA tournament. And I think Florida, right now, at the season ends today, they are the last team getting in from the SEC. One thing that I'm kind of waiting for, Austin, and not to bring up a very sore subject, I mean, it's a... We know how much of a gauntlet the SEC is. Florida State in the ACC has kind of, you know, 
figured a couple things out, right? And I, it's, I'm not saying that Florida State is great, but there are certain things that I've been impressed with, given the fact that they just don't have the same type of caliber of talent as we're used to seeing a Leonard Hamilton coach have. However, Florida completely dismantled Florida State in, in, in the non-conference. That was the best game that Florida played. And the reason why it was the best game that Florida played was because their ball pressure was off the charts. A little bit of inside inside baseball talk here, but I would encourage you, if you're a Florida fan, if Florida is playing close to the level defensively that they did against Florida State, this is a team that could finish sixth in the end. Get in. You're, you're, you're really playing for seeding. Uh, I'm, I'm actually fine with their offense. I just think consistency on the defensive end has been the Gators, I don't want to say Achilles heel Austin, but... I think it would be the one thing that I'd look for because they just don't have knockdown, flat-out shooters. Florida's got to win with defense. Yeah, Florida's a fun watch because they, they play up-tempo, uh, and certainly in a lot of games. Their defense has certainly been a weakness, so the games have been high-scoring, and obviously they've also been close. It's, it's an interesting time for college basketball right now because we're almost at the point in the calendar when college basketball moves to the forefront of, of sports fans' Uh, persona and what they're thinking about. The Super Bowl is this Sunday, and then after that, for about a six to seven week stretch, college basketball is is kind of at the top of the chart. You've got the the latter half of the regular yeah. season, and then you've got conference tournaments, and then obviously the NCAA tournament. So there are probably going to be a lot of people coming to college basketball in the next couple of weeks that haven't paid attention to the sport for the first three months of the season. So with that premise, give our listeners. Three or four teams, if you were telling someone about what's happened so far in college basketball and you were telling them, hey, these are three teams that you should watch as you begin to take in college basketball, who are the three or four teams, not necessarily the best, but the most engaging for fans that they should be tuning in, checking the schedules and saying, I want to watch this team play? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll give you three, and and this will be a little bit chalky, the first two, uh, Austin, but UConn's the best team in the country. Uh, they're the only team right now in college basketball that is sitting both top five in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency, according to Ken Uh They have enough talent to win back-to-back national championships since those, those Billy Donovan Florida Gator years of 06 and 07. They are exceptionally good, very deep. They're, they have a big front court. They have a fantastic backcourt. UConn, to me, is going to run away with the Big East. I think they are clear, uh, clear-cut favorite to be the overall number one seed. The second team you need to watch is Purdue. Aside from the fact that Purdue's record is incredible, they have the most quad one and quad two wins comparatively by four games than any other team, right? And, and we can explain Austin, like the quad one and quad two, but we'll, we'll, just for the sake of uh, you know the conversation, they have the best record in college basketball. I still think they're, they're not better than UConn. They have the best record. They also have the best player in college basketball in Zach Eadie, the Canadian Colossus. When Purdue's on TV, watch them play. Their backcourt is tremendous, including Braden Smith, is putting together a top five, top ten point guard season in the country right now. Zach Eady is the real deal. He's he's one of the greatest college players we've ever seen. The third team, uh, I'm going to pull actually out of the Mountain West. I believe that the Mountain West will get more teams in the NCAA than the Pac-12 and the ACC. I think the Mountain West has five teams in the tournament right now. Potentially could even get six teams in. 
Nevada recently having a really big road win. Out of the Mountain West, Colorado State. They are legit. They're probably the second-best offense when you take all the analytics together. They most likely have the second-best offense in the country. They have a point guard named Isaiah Stevens. He is five-point guard in the country. He's the most decorated player, not just of Colorado State, the most decorated player in the history of the Mountain West. Averages about 17 points per game. He's also top five in the country in assists. It is beautiful offense to watch. Those are my three favorite teams to watch. The first two are a little chalky, but they're just, it's just because they're so good, Austin. UConn and Purdue. The third team is, is a team that I'm probably, you know, depending on the matchup to pick to go to Sweet 16, uh, this Colorado State team is absolutely a joy to watch. I got really excited when you said you were picking a Mountain West team because I wanted it to be New Mexico. I really like watching New Mexico, and I think Jalen House is a guy who, when the NCAA tournament starts, could be could become a guy who some people love and some people hate. And New Mexico has a chance to make. I think New Mexico has a chance to make a deep run in the tournament. The other team that I, for me is a really good watch is BYU because they run great offense. They get up and down. That uh, they've got guys that can score the ball in a variety of ways. And obviously, if you're a UCF fan after Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, you know, UCF is, is at BYU on Tuesday. So I, I will add those two, New Mexico and BYU, to uh, the, the ones that Mike gave. Last one, Mike, and I'll, I'll get you out of here on this. Uh, earlier this week, Rick Pitino uh, spoke after a game and, and advocated for a salary cap in college basketball. His proposal was that, you know, you get $2 million if you're a Power Five or a Big East school, and other schools could determine their own salary cap as they see fit. And without getting into too much detail, and I know that this is a topic that you could go for an entire hour on, what was your reaction to what Patino said? And how viable is that in the future? Uh, my reaction was I'll take it because he's one of the few people that's actually putting out ideas. Uh, I, I'm not really in for this. And if just taking college basketball out of it, everything relies on college football. I just am... It's just about the revolution now. Like, everybody's suing the NCAA, and it's just it's just about the revolution. Well, what happens when you win? What do you do? What, where is this actually going? Does anybody have any ideas? Does anybody actually peel back the layers and say, you know what, we may actually need the NCAA in some capacity. Everybody's down with the NCAA. The NCAA is the member institution. That's what they are. That's everybody voted on these rules. Everybody. And you're, you're essentially just suing yourself. It makes no sense. I find it just total posturing and a gigantic waste of taxpayer time. Rick Pitino's idea of having a salary cap is a start. If we're going to have a salary cap for players, you're going to have a salary cap. And my thing is you're going to have a salary cap for coaches too. If it's if the salary cap goal is, two, is $4 million, $2 million for the players, $2 million for the coaches, well, you know what? We can find a way to make that work. And I'm, that, that may not be a bad first step. I don't think it'll get there. I think we're in the... We're, we're closing in on collective bargaining and a players' union. I find it fascinating. The players want to actually want a players' union, which will completely revolutionize the game, the way the players even can get medical treatment. It's not going to be good for the sport uh, or athletics in general. That being said, I, I'll take it. That's my phrase because it's something. It's a conversation. It's an idea to build off of. I'm just not down for the revolution. I'm just, we're just suing Mike, good stuff. As always, a pleasure is all on this end of the table, and I'm, I'm calmer than you are. The dude abides, my friend.
Mike O'Donnell, step back three. Enjoy the weekend of college basketball. Coming up next, Kyle Cassandra returns. The news takes center stage on this Friday edition of the Vita Sports. Coming up on the other side of the break.